0: Welcome back to Tap That AZ Podcast. Kind of sounded like I was going to go to a song. I was going to, and then I figured, nah. Um, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Eric Walters, if I hadn't said that before. And I am glad you're listening. Thank you for listening to the show. It's been really incredible. Um, got a big announcement coming up. Um, actually, I'll, I'll say it right now. Um, I Just hit 100,000 uh, total downloads. Uh, so that's from the beginning episode one was january 4th january 7th i think of 2017 so from that point up until now we just hit one hundred thousand downloads so thank you that is that that is it's amazing so i i really really appreciate you guys listening to the show and i'm glad you like it i mean you might just listen to it for one minute and turn it off but hey that minute counts every minute counts right <laughs> so uh As I'm recording this, I am realizing that I'm now... So we're rearranging some stuff in our house and our walk-in closet. It's kind of a little bit of a storage place. So that's where my stand-up microphone where I do the intros are. And this is exactly where podcasting began for me with the Mixtape podcast. It was a a podcast, a music podcast I did with a friend in 2016. um, And it was right here in the spot. It's kind of crazy. So anyways... uh, If you go to the Patreon page, I just realized we have some of those episodes up there and I got to get more of them up there. All right. This is me thinking out loud. Thank you for following along. Uh, Today's episode, this guy, this dude has created an incredible, incredible canning line. It's changing the game and it's going to take off really fast. But first, a little bit of a selfish thing for me, tap that hazy hazy. It's back. Now, remember it goes fast. So right now we've got it at Simple Machine Brewery. On 7th Avenue in Deer Valley, there is quite a lot there, and there are some beer stores around mostly the Phoenix area at this point. They're going to have some, but your best bet is go to the brewery and get some, because also there are shirts and glasses left there. Not too many of those left, but get there, get some, and keep an eye out for it, for whatever, wherever you're at. Keep an eye out. Take pictures. Send pictures to your friends all over the world and say this is the most amazing thing ever that all right i'm gonna probably delete that i somehow got into a weird british accent all right so today's guest is andrew grady andrew this dude's awesome so met him i don't know a couple years ago and just just a really cool guy you can tell he knows what the hell he's talking about when it comes to all kinds of shit as you'll hear so Andrew's the dude behind Cano Canner, which is a badass little canner. It's gonna take the brewery game to the next level. It already has for a lot of these breweries in, in Arizona. So when you see this thing up close, it's really impressive because when you see some of the other ones, this thing is is it's just a work of art. It really is. And, and anybody who's who's run one of these cano canners will tell you this thing is incredible. Made right here in Arizona. my man Andrew. So he is the guest today. So let's just uh, let's just jump into this. This is uh, Cano Canner. Let's do it. Awesome, man. Awesome. So we're here at Simple Machine. My man Andrew, welcome. Good morning. To the show, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, It's not. What's the earliest you think you've ever drank a beer?
1: It would just be a continuation from the night before, I suppose. <laughs> Continu- right? right so, yeah. you know, are we talking like age-wise, or you know, I don't know, fourteen?
0: Or? N- well, no, like what is? Uh, right. So to put it in perspective, one time I was going to go to work, and for some reason I just had a hankering to chug a beer. So yeah. I grabbed a Dosakis. This yeah. was like seven thirty on like a Wednesday, seven thirty in the morning. Just pounded Dosakis. Right. Dos My wife was very proud.
1: My drinking uh, problem has a it's a different uh, <laughs> shape about it. And I, I, I can't. I, I need to accomplish something, and then I get the reward. So I'm not okay. an early-day drinker. I don't know how these guys function, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I get kind of a little nappy, too. So i I got to get my, my work done and, uh, and then enjoy it, and then I do enjoy it.
0: So. Are you trying to say you're not going to have one of these then?
1: No, no, I'm going to no. have one. It's <laughs> a special moment. But <laughs> typically, again, yeah. I don't know how guys work and drink at the same yeah. time.
0: You know what? I'm learning that. Like, I'm learning that I'm, I'm connecting the dots where if it's like 5 or 6 o'clock and I'm really tired, right. most likely I had a beer around lunch or something. Right. You know, beer or two. So right. you're wise.
1: Yeah. So I'm the, I'm, I'll mow the yard, you know, first, then drink the beer versus uh, the guy that's drinking the beer while he's mowing.
0: Gotcha. Beer, what about food and beer? Do you mix those two? Or do you one or the other? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm I One or the other.
1: Yeah, I find food kind of a nuisance, honestly. I don't know. I mean, although looking at me, you wouldn't think so. But
0: honestly, that's a lot more beer. It's a liquid-based. So you don't get excited about food as much?
1: No, well, I I do, I do. But, uh, you know, um, I'm kind of a workaholic kind of guy. Like, I'm a taskmaster, like, just get things done. And having to stop for lunch is just sort of a... Oh man, no, I don't get time for this. Let's just <laughs> Yeah you know, let's let's get going here. So um again, that, that's sort of the same way, you know, it's sort of like if you stop for lunch, well then your day's kinda you know, kinda
2: ruined after that kind of deal. I don't know.
0: Man, I'm a, I'm gonna learn a lot from this, uh from you, Andrew. <laughs> I am, yes, yeah, because you're speaking like uh like yeah, I should be that way. But uh you know, I uh yeah.
2: Yeah, I talk a big game. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. well, I've got I was some gonna,
2: great uh, ideas. That was,
0: that was a great segue because I was going to ask you. I was going to ask about early life and stuff like that where you're always fucking around with shit. But I, I assume you were. <laughs> are, you from, are you from Arizona?
1: Well, no. So I bounced around uh, the world as an Air Force brat. Okay. So but it sort of builds um, into the whole narrative of what got me into the industry um, and um, you know, what sort of drives me um, to this day. Um, so, um, yeah, grew up in uh, Germany and okay. in England. Mom's English and whatever. So I had a, had a really good experience in you know, Europe and whatever and what that was all about, wow. right?
0: How long? Like, how long did you live there?
1: Well, er, you know, five years uh, in Germany and a couple years in England. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, and then, of course, you know, with the family in England, we've been back and forth and whatever, right? Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so that sort of shaped, um, well... Sort of my, my ideology and my appreciation for beer, right? Okay. I mean, certainly Europe is beer-centric. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> well, my America first kind of mindset. Like, you know, I've always appreciated Europe, but I've always been like, well, we need to do it better than them, right? Yeah. Like, I'm a big <laughs> homer when it comes to, like, USA kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, um, you, you know, I grew up uh, after, you know, the Air Force or whatever, We grew, grew up in Vermont. Okay. Right. And um, Vermont Pub and Brewery opened up, Kevin Noonan, you know, I remember that. It was probably like 86 or so, drinking age was 18, so yeah. I had an older brother. I was there, you need yeah. to say. I had Alternative <laughs> forms of ID. Um, so, and, and again, being aware of the, uh, you know, the beer in England, the beer in Germany, which at the time was the best in the world, right? Yeah. It was exciting to me to see that, you know, American beer was kind of coming along or whatever, like there was this thing.
0: Right? Not to age you, but approximately what years where was this
1: 18. Okay. Okay. Somewhere around there. Yeah. When I was a teenager. I mean, so, not
0: 2018, the age of 18. Yeah. So, you were 18 in 2018?
1: Uh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I saw you the math. Like, wait, what? You said was going to be math on this, right? So, um, no, no, no. I was probably a lot younger than I should have been when yeah. my, my fascination with beer occurred. But again, in Europe, you know, I mean, it was, you know, if you're sitting at the table, you, you could have one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I saw the craft beer movement, you know, kind of evolve in, in Vermont and uh, and so on. And um, it really struck me as um, a purely American thing. You know, a yeah. couple of things. One, we were actually making beer better than the Europeans, right, uh, which is amazing, yeah. right? And, and to, you know, that changed everything in my life. I and mean, the fact that we can sit here at, you know, Simple Machine or any of the breweries around town and, yeah. and have a beer that was made yesterday, Yeah, right? I mean... You know, I'm never drinking a Newcastle again, right. thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, I don't yeah. need something that sat around for three months or however long, right, that I really have no idea. Shaken you know, up on a boat
0: or a right, right. plane, however they get. Right, again, and right? then
1: you start looking at the styles that, you know, are typical European, you know, they're sort of bland and they haven't changed and they're very set in their ways, yeah. you know. Um, so, so, you know, you had that and then you have the um, entirely, like, these jobs cannot be shipped off to China. You know, there's an economy sure. that has been created through craft breweries in America, right? So it's a uniquely American product using, you know, a, you know, American labor and American yeah. resources, and and again, that gets back to the whole, you know, where this Homer thing of America came from in my life, yeah. right? But it's just a, a really driving, important, uh, you know, part for me to to deal. So. That's kind of been my motivation. Yeah, whatever. that's.
0: A, I've never pieced it together like that, right? I mm-hmm. mean, if you because because I know uh, on on the canning line, uh, it, it has it's very prominent there. American made, right? Made in the USA. Big deal. Uh, yeah, that's a yeah. big deal for you. Uh, and it, it, with beer, this with craft beer being a hundred percent American product, like a lot of it is, right? Oh, absolutely. Hops, grains, everything they're they're getting them from within. That's incredible. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, you know,
1: we can get you know. Um, some of the products from, you know, out of country or whatever, New Zealand yeah. hops, et cetera. But you're not replacing those jobs. You know, I mean, sure. American Craft Brewing is, you know, I mean, as local as it gets. And, yeah. And to me, it's just been kind of a revitalization. I mean, I see craft beer as the leading um, force in, um, you know, the whole made-in-American thing that used to mean something. Sure. When I was growing up, yeah. that, you know, has long since, you know, that's kind of not because, you know, we're shipping stuff offshore. Yeah. Um. So you know, even Apple, you know, iPhones, and you know, whatever, Nikes, etc. Right? They've yeah. long since gone over to you know Asia and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, well, you're not you're not doing that with craft beer.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: You're not ever doing that with craft beer. Yeah. So um, that's that's the big thing. And then again, this driving force to you know being partially European or whatever uh, to see Americans do it better than Europeans. I don't know why that's always motivated. Yeah. But it has. Carol <laughs> yeah. Shelby is a huge. Uh, hero of mine who's carol shelby now um created the shelby cobra uh, ah okay okay gotcha and essentially what he did was took you know american uh you know a ford v8 and shoved it into a british chassis um, and made something that went and beat ferrari you know at his own game in europe yeah so you know here's an american combining ideas and and uh you know Taking basically a bunch of hot rodders out of Southern California, yeah. and going on and taking Ferrari in his backyard and winning the world championship, yeah, you know, so cars and beers are kind of my thing. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. the car side as a mechanic, that's where it, uh, you know, that's where that came from.
0: You were so. a me- You were a mechanic. Like, no, I right? am a mechanic. Okay. I'm a master mechanic. Well, I'm, you know, yeah.
1: So um, that's that's my my day job, or that's what sustained me all these years. But that's yeah. kind of what you know. I'm a gearhead at heart
0: yeah I can tell yeah. <laughs> dude when I went to your when so I went over to andrew 's place to do did some videos some some photo for the uh for the cano canning line and dude, I was very impressed like it, like i 'm very impressed by people 's tool layouts that sounded weird, but you know <laughs> yeah, like the garage but but you look at your garage and shit is worn, man like you like I wish I knew as much how to use those things. I know how to use like five things in your garage. It was impressive. But there's also a race on. There's also a lot of uh, race apparel, and uh, it's very impressive, man. You're very dedicated to what you do.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and in a weird way, it kind of um, it, it kind of comes full circle. Everything sort of feeds the next thing in my life. So on the racing side, I raced uh, rally cars, oh, okay, um, off road for. Oh, year and a half. It was just so expensive. It's just money going Uh, straight. I mean, you know, it's it's a crazy expensive hobby. But uh, my point there is, you know, I built built the car. That was the advantage I had over other people that would just buy, you know, a car built is that I built the car. So I knew it every nut and bolt um, I had touched on the vehicle. Well, when you're doing off-road rally, which is in the middle of a mountaintop in California, if if the car breaks, you need to be able to fix it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, because you don't have any support whatsoever. Um, Well, um, we looked at that car and thought about um, if it breaks, you know, how is it going to break? How can we make it better so that it
0: doesn't break? Sure, yeah.
1: When we have to replace this part, what does that look like? That whole, you know, again, as a mechanic, what do I have to take apart to do it? Yeah. How many different tools do I need? to do it right um and that that drove everything on the build of the car and then racing the car and, and what i found out was although I, you know, I did pretty good in the series you know i finished second uh, yeah. but the, the reality was the reason i finished second is because i always finished ah, uh, right so your guys that were much faster than me yeah broke so to finish first you must first finish is the uh ah, the saying right i like now. that and i always finish so the car was always good that way well um, the reason I bring that up is that that was kind of the ethos going into the canning line. Okay. Right? Like, we look at, we think about how we want things to work. Well, the engineering mind, of you know, looks at it like, well, how's it going to break? And if it breaks this uh, way, well, then how do we make it so that it doesn't break? Yeah. And if it does break again, it gets back to how many tools do we need? How simple it is? And then you start to boil it down, and you start to really synthesize uh, the process. And get to where we're at today, which you know, again on the canning line is a pretty clean, you know, operation.
0: It's badass, man. Yeah. Well, Let's, I mean, yeah. that,
1: and again, that's where that that came from, you know, in a weird way, is, is from racing cars, racing cars, <laughs> <laughs> and drinking beer, drinking beer. Wow, I've never really thought about this
0: before. Oh, the wor- look at that, man. That's a, I saw the light go off off the top of your head. It might have been Marshall over there taking a picture of you, that, but that I could think have been. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He's weird. About? He's got like a whole
1: room of pictures of me. I don't he know. Does. It might,
0: I'm not <laughs> not sure about. Hey, them, buddy, about that. we're just we're just talking good stuff about you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you well. You will. <laughs> Edit that part out, please, Eric. I'll forget. <laughs> uh, so, where did like was it just ingrained in you that like just part of your makeup is that like, or, so, or what did you? How did you get there? I well, guess the whole mindset and all of it. I is what I'm saying.
1: Right, so um, back to the craft beer side of things and my fascination with it, right? I mean, and it's always been a fascination, right, from, yeah. you know, days back in Vermont. Um, and my appreciation for it, enthusiasm, you know, I mean, it's just innate in me. Like, I just got super excited about this industry. You yeah. can directly see where this was American-made, you know, yeah, beating the Europeans at their own game. I mean, these things that, like, are yeah. big deals in my life, right? Um, I wanted to be a part of it.
0: And I guess let me back. I guess, that was a that was a weird question. Mm-hmm. A poorly worded question. I guess the mechanical like your mechanical mind oh, like the sorry. way you your mindset like where there's certain things growing up that you.
1: So, um as long as I can remember, I was taking stuff apart. Yeah. Uh, I almost burned the house down <laughs> See, that's uh, when I was I, asked. About, I knew there was some good stuff. Yeah. Stories. <laughs> yeah, in fact, it wasn't just my house. It was base housing. Uh, oh. so it was four units that almost got burned down. Holy shit. Yeah. How
0: how you got to tell the story uh, it now. Was
1: six years old and I took my record player apart. Okay. And I put it back together again. Yeah. Or at least, you know, I thought so brown wire went where the brow wire goes <laughs> and whatever. And plugged that sucker in the wall and
0: worst case, it's not going to work.
1: Right. Well, so it, it kind of uh big black streak went up the side of the wall and the room filled with smoke. Quick. And, uh, how quick, quick, yeah, quick. quick. <laughs> and, uh, I do recall it was a good thing that it, it tripped the breaker, but that I did not grab the cord because the cord had melted. Oh. So it was bare wire. Holy shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was one of my earliest <laughs> recollections. I got the parents a little excited, yeah. but uh, I was always um, looking to take things, you know, asking if I could take things like toaster. Yeah, you know, so I, I from day one, right? And then I was fortunate enough that my dad was a car guy. Okay. Um, so that that's a big part of
0: it. Too, sure. You know, clearly, yeah.
1: and um, so you know, he had a Model A and and things of that nature. Um, well, he had a bunch a of Model cars. A? Yeah. Or was that he the, was original? Restoring. the original? The yeah. original car. 1930. Yeah. yeah. So that
0: was like, I mean, as basic as it gets, right? Like, yeah. as far as like yeah. components and the way it's yeah. built. And,
1: and the neat thing was at the time, back then, this was like 78 or so, whatever, he was getting it restored. So okay. I got to see all of that, oh, you know, body nice. stripped down, painted, bodywork yeah. being done. And um, I was always out in the garage, you know, messing around with things. Yeah. You know, anyway
0: burning you know. shit down and
1: yeah. <laughs> fucking shit <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, learning the hard way uh. yeah you know, but, you know, that's how you get your best lessons. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. If you can survive it to tell yeah. the tale. And, <laughs> yeah,
0: don't b- grab the cord. Don't grab so, the cord.
1: So, yeah, that's that's where all of that you okay. know, sort of came from. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of, I guess, how I'm wired, so yeah. to speak. Interesting. Yeah,
0: because yeah, for me, I never think about that stuff. I'm like, I don't, like, if my toaster breaks, I'm like, I'm going to throw it away. It might be just like the cord's a little loose and I can mm-hmm. tighten it up. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. fucking, i just throwing it away.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know how to, you know. They make good stuff nowadays. It's cheaper stuff. But, you know, I mean, I don't, you see, you know, I have washing machines that fail after two years. It, yeah. That's disappointing. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, yeah. they certainly don't make things the way they used to, and I'm not sure what that's all about.
0: Yeah. Um, you know. What about the cars? Like, because I can, I, I mean, just my limited no, knowledge cars of cars
1: where... are so much more advanced. Yeah. It's so is much it frustrating.
0: Better. Well, OK, I was going to say, is it frustrating for a mechanic? Because can you, you really basically have to take them in at this point, right? It's like, oh, yeah, we have to take off your dashboard your back tires and you know, your windshield. you do windshield. Um, you do
1: and um, it, it's entirely computer controlled yeah and um you know i work for volkswagen and um they're pretty proprietary about their stuff okay. right and, yeah you know the german mindset there again yeah um so you really kind of need to have their scan tool yeah uh, to truly you know access you know the vehicle and whatever yeah. so which is a little unfair you know yeah. i mean whatever it's the way it is but and, and, of course, that's done on purpose. Sure. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I, I saw a lawsuit with farmers um, going after, and could get sued over this, but either International Harvester or John Deere, because uh, yeah. it's the same way. Their combine harvesters are computer-controlled. They have fault uh-huh. codes. And you need a scan tool, you know. So you, now you've got to fly a technician in, presumably, right, to uh-huh. your cornfield in Nebraska. Whereas, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, you're just fixing the
0: thing. You just fix it,
1: yeah. Right. You know, the fuel pump went out or whatever. I yeah. mean, farmers are pretty you know uh industrious in that sense you have to be right have to be yeah a lot like brewers yeah Yeah. yep so um yeah well they're really limited now too you know so it's 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 kind of a i don't know if it's a great way of you know going Uh, about things but i will say that the uh, reliability of vehicles is is mind-blowing compared to the way it was 40 years ago
0: yeah you yeah know, you uh, really so. could buy a bad car right the one that just somebody fucked it up and
1: <laughs> yeah and I mean if you I don't know if you, if you bought a used car in Phoenix Arizona recently but you know hundred thousand miles the thing looks like new yeah you know I mean, yeah like, wow. so anyway yeah. Yeah, vehicles are kind of a weird deal there yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: well I'm, I'll go with the reliability because I don't know how to fix shit so <laughs>
1: well, we certainly come a long way in my <laughs> opinion there
0: so so all right l- let's get into the canning aspect of it right so so um, what what, so you've been in the craft beer but what, what was the catalyst from what you were doing to let's make a canning line
1: you know um it started out with um, helton brewing you know it kind of goes hand in hand with helton um you know i i would drive by helton uh, on my way to my daughter's uh, high school after work you know because i going to work right around there and um i saw they were opening the brewery and one day i swung by and um, saw brian standing out there and asked him when he was going to open he said well we're um you know we're we're doing the build out ourselves yeah so um you know it's kind of limiting you know where we're at um and how soon we can open and i said well you know i'm kind of a handy guy yeah. <laughs> I, might I like somebody. beer so you know if there's anything i can do you know he's like well hey stop by tomorrow we'll have a beer and yeah. And so on, and uh, so I did, and you know, just kind of said, you know, well, I've got a welder in my garage, and yeah. you know, although I, you know, I'm not much of a welder, but I own a welder, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I'm certainly mechanically oriented. Uh, um, so, uh, one day, three weeks later, or whatever, he says, "Hey, man, I need a, I need a stair." Yeah. I'm like, "You need a stair?" He's yeah. like, "Yeah, I need a step in the brewery to get my, uh, a permit to open." for osha or whatever there has to be and it has to be made to this specification you know whatever this width and this height and so on i'm like uh he's like think you can make me one you know i've looked on granger or whatever and it's like a thousand dollars for one or something stupid like that i'm like well sure whatever so uh, it was kind of fun and then i you know i got to use all my toys in the garage and i I made him one and he said wow he said what else can you do yeah right (laughs) yeah and so one thing led to another and uh, i know you know enough crazy brewers out there they're like hey we'd like to do this and we'd like to do that and it it was just a lot of fun yeah um but hey what can we make next
0: did you got were you the one that made the the hop was it the hop the hop tub the hop tub yeah Yeah, the hop tub i think he got it that morning or just got up running with the morning we did an episode yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. so uh we did that and that was a 75 uh gallon uh, coca-cola keg Ah. um that we got off uh, the internet or whatever and um yeah put all the fittings on it and you know, put it on a stand so we could rotate it and again that really got the brain churning and that was just a lot of fun for me. So it's yeah. just um you know, getting using a different side of the brain. You know, being kinda of creative and ah. um, you know, thinking about you know, again, something different than cars. Right? yeah So yeah. um so we did that and then I did the uh oh this is kind of fun. Uh, you know, Campbell shared a picture, Campbell from uh,
0: Mother Road. Mother Road, yeah.
1: yeah I shared a picture with Brian about an eight-head keg filler. It was a mobile uh, keg filler yeah. um, that Green Flash um, had made right? Uh, and were using. So um, Brian was, was doing some contract brewing at the time for Mother Road, and so they were doing a lot of kegs at that time, and he wanted one made. Okay. So um, put one together for him, but you know, didn't really know all the particulars of it, just had a photo of it. Well, it turns out we were over in California with my daughter playing soccer over there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go find this thing and yeah. whatever. So with that picture on my cell phone going to the Green Flash uh, facilities, you know, it was, it was like a, a ticket to anywhere in their building that I wanted to go. Yeah. I just had to show them. They said, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. it turns out it was at their uh, Sour House facility. Okay. Um, that was more inland. Uh, but, yeah, I just strolled in there. And I, I showed the guy the picture of it on the phone, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's in the back." He's like, "You can go have a look at it if you want." Yeah. So now I'm just walking around Green Flash, like, you know, like I own the place, yeah. it just based off a <laughs> that's
0: picture. You that. Found a picture. So
2: like,
0: well, meaning like the, the saying, "Hey, I'm interested in checking this out." Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. And so then I, you know, I got in the back and I got to measure it, and you know, it was just—it yeah. was kind of fun. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, you know, we we got that built for him. So it was just crazy things like that, Yeah. yeast brinks and. Um, so on and then I've, I've got a hot back there that i just put together um, here in, at
0: simple machine <clears throat> okay yeah
1: but i think that's actually going back down to, to helton okay gotcha um, but you know there again like that hot back i saw this uh tank um you know hello on craigslist it was like 80 gallon stainless steel pot yeah and i thought, well. I'm, I know these brewers enough to know that somebody would want something yeah. with this. And, again, I, I don't know exactly the equipment side of things that they would want. Yeah. But I know that it could be useful. Sure. Right? So, and I got to talking to Marshall here, and he's like, yeah, no, you know, put a fitting here and put a fitting here and, you know, get a perforated screen for, a, you know, a false bottom and yeah. make it two inches high and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So, nice. Yeah. So, um, I, I kind of let them drive, you know, what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, through that relationship uh, with Brian, and and by the way, that's where I uh, met Marshall. Okay. was down there at help. Yeah. Um, And, of course, Rob down there has been a huge help. Um, They were sitting around talking one day about a canning line. And um, we started looking at examples of small, you know, canning lines, quote-unquote affordable canning lines. Yeah. And I was sort of shocked and just kind of horrified. I mean, we're literally talking about – one line where it was a, it was a, a restaurant uh, like sink uh, kind of on a stainless table yeah. to where you're holding the cans under these two spouts, okay, and filling them much as you would, you know, like with a crowler, yeah. you know, on a draft system. Uh, so absolutely no control of the, the flow whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and then you're moving it by hand, you know, hoping you don't sloshing the beer over it, to a seamer. And, again, you're filling it over a sink for any of the waste to go into <laughs> uh, And you're moving it over to a seamer, and you're seaming the cans, and and you're done. And um, I think they wanted thirty-five, thirty-eight thousand for this thing. Yeah. And I went, what? (laughs) And and that's something that I do a lot in the brewing industry because I look at how much you know equipment goes for, and I go, are you kidding me? Yeah.
0: Wow. And from what I've heard, not not like the best quality equipment either. Like it's. Well, you know. Not saying in a negative way, but.
1: It it it, it depends. You know, I mean, it it does vary. Yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily going to say that, but sometimes things are built, um, oh, I don't know, to the nth degree. You know, Wild Goose canning line okay, it is phenomenal. Okay. I mean, the thing is amazing. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, you're like, oh, my God, right?
0: So, Is that the Ferrari of, uh, of yeah, canning lines? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and that's
1: exactly what I would say. I mean, and you can understand pretty quickly when you look at it, like, why this cost so much okay right yeah that's this is unreal right this is a beautiful thing right but the reality is a small brewery you know i i I sort of again i I equate it like this like you you just want to go you need to get to the grocery store to get your groceries right you just need a ride you don't need a mercedes sure right (laughs) right necessarily you just need a ride well i'm sort of making if you will a a toyota Uh, where there never was a toyota available okay gotcha so it's a reliable affordable you know can get you to the store every single time yeah. no questions asked but it's not the mercedes you yeah know? i mean you're not going to be posing with the thing or yeah. whatever uh, in, in that sense right sure so the only thing that was available was the most crazy you know quality oriented i mean the thing literally looks like you could send it to mars you know and land it on mars yeah um <laughs> but is that the most practical for you know your your smaller you know breweries yeah um and, and, you know, the answer to that is no, it's yeah. not. For a number of reasons, you know, cost being, you know, one, but then footprint was the other. So at that moment, we sat down and, and kind of laid out um, what we needed to do for a canning line. What does a, a, a canning line that a small brewery can use look like? Yeah. And that's where we set kind of the, the three pillars, as we call it. And one is affordability. Two is size. And three is the quality of the fill, right? Sure. And without any one of those, it's pretty much useless. So you could have a quality fill um, and affordable, but if it's huge, you can't fit it, right? Uh, And, I mean, you've been obviously around places like – Oh, I don't know, Goldwater, for example, they don't yeah. have a ton of, of room right like, to you know and that, that's the norm. There's a lot more breweries out there than say here at Simple Machine or Pelton, for that matter. Yeah. Where they have an abundance of space. Well even force. I mean
0: if you look at them, they they have an abundance of space here, but in the over the you know year, year and a half since they've started you see that filling up super quick. Yes, right? and that's <laughs> yeah. the
1: other thing. Like if you had space available for a canning line, which typically be like something, you know, a single car garage type room, yeah. well you'd probably have a tank in it. Yeah. Know, to make some more beer. Right. So If you're
0: necessitating beer. a canning line, you're not going to have that room kind of thing, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So um, that's kind of where the vision started. Like, okay, it needs to be small. Yeah. Right? So they can actually use it and put it away. Yep. Okay. It needs to be affordable, which kind of goes hand in hand with the size, or, you know, but it has to be affordable. Yeah. Um, but then ultimately it has to do a really good job of canning beer. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we're doing here, yep. right? So that's what yep. it has to do. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where this was born, and that was probably two and a half years ago. Okay.
0: Of um, you they, you guys sitting down, concepting out this, the the ideal canning line, based on those three things. Yeah, and it, yeah. it was
1: sort of them talking about it, and then me asking the questions, you know, like, like I do. <laughs> Excuse me, okay, what what do we need? What do you need? Sure. Right? Yeah. What does this thing need? Yep. So— I could have never have done this project without the the help and support of the the breweries directly. I mean, there's no way at all, right? Um, So is their input directly that that has fed this and and Marshall to a large degree, um, you know, um, because he's so having had mobile canning experience or whatever. So instrumental in what does this thing need to look like? like? You know, what features does it need to have? What features, more importantly, does it not need to
0: have? Ah, yeah. Um, Those things that are just like might look cool or or whatever just aren't necessary. Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, that's kind of uh, the deal. And then I sort of sat down on my own and kind of dreamt it up. Um, You know, okay, well, if we do it this way, this way, and this way, you know, folding shelves, um, you know, watching. You know, I I have homebrewed before. Okay. So uh, I do have a, a background in that. And, you know, filling bottles, you realize pretty quickly, like, you get surrounded with them, right? Yeah. You know, it, like, oh, yeah. you need them to get out of the yeah. way kind of thing. <laughs> right. So yeah. it wasn't good enough just to simply fill a can. You yeah. need to get that can out of the way. So it's like, okay, well, we need a shelf that folds up, you know, to give you that extra room to get the process cans at least out of the seamer and off to the side.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Um, and then the, the rinse on the other side for the fold-up shelf, you know, to rinse the cans out. Um, you know, so that kind of stuff. Okay, how are we actually going... To do this, yeah what the nuts and bolts of it, if you will
0: and here is uh, speaking of nuts and bolts uh, <laughs> Marshall,
3: what's up buddy <laughs> that's how I prefer to be introduced <laughs> <Nuts and
0: bolts>. <laughs> <laughs> well that was perfect that was a perfect timing for him to come it in because was, we were just talking about uh, the the initial concepting of this of the of the cano the the cano of the future, the canner of the future is that the tagline no. it is now <laughs> it, <should be>. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is now. Be. So, uh, the three pillars were? Size. Size. Affordability. And? And quality. And quality. Do mm-hmm. you agree with those? Totally, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, there was a
3: there was a definite need in the market. And uh, a lot of the c- other companies that are out there currently, their smallest models were not only out of price range, but uh, availability and skill level uh, for somebody on a small scale. So, yeah. uh, I think he did a really good job of putting the finishing touches on something that's Perfect for what it does.
0: In the folding shelves. That I mean, just little pieces like that, right? Because it's like, all right, it's essential, but it's not essential that it's, what is it, two foot or two feet on each side? One foot on Correct. each side? Correct,
1: extra two feet uh, on the width, you know, by one foot yeah. deep. But, yeah, just having that extra. But you don't want that when you're trying to put it out of the way. Exactly. Right? And roll it out of the way, which is, again, that gets back to the size thing. So we need this room, but then we need that, that space to go away. So yeah. well, we need to make them fold pulled down and so then it goes back to its four foot footprint and you know you can roll it away and stick it in the corner and uh you know like at at ranch house brewing where they have one um uh, i went to go do an update on a couple weeks back and uh, josh wasn't around it was on the weekend then i went down there and he kind of told me approximately where i'd find it and it was, it, it was roughly in a closet next to the Christmas uh, decorations. and uh, That's great. I thought, you know, this is the perfect uh, you know, picture yeah. setting. Like, this says it all. Right? Yeah. Like, it's out of the, the way, you know, yep. whatever. Um, and those guys, as an example, if you need to get down there, I'll put yeah. you in touch with them. Uh, yeah. We literally can in a hallway. Oh, right? really? Because um,
0: it's in a retirement community, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah, and it's
1: in the kitchen. And it's a yeah. huge kitchen. But, and the brewery's built in there. They sort of blow, uh, knocked out a wall or whatever to put it in there. Um, so it's, it's kind of a neat layout, but they just do not have the room. I yeah. mean, there is no way at all that they could have uh, you know, a canning line stationary set up stationary. Right. Yeah. So uh, to be able to roll it out of the way and tuck it in a corner is, is essential for them. Well,
0: know? like you were saying earlier too, Marshall, it, it, speaking of, should we should we crack crack these yeah. babies open? parched. Yeah, I am too. Do you see my lips are like all chopped? My lips hurt really bad. My kids hate when I do Napoleon Dynamite impersonations. I think it's pretty good, but all right. So, uh, Marshall, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what we got here?
3: <laughs> well, we're drinking. Uh, it's the second lager that Simple's done, and it's American light Lager that we did uh, after you and Justin from Casual Pint came up to me with a collab idea,
0: and we said, "Let's make it me and Justin fighting." And you're like, "Well, why can't we just be like cool?"
3: <laughs> Well, when you guys said it, it's called Roaring Twenties. But when you said that, I didn't—I uh, didn't understand that it was in reference to you guys battling in your twenties, like not with each other, just with everyone.
0: With that, yeah, yeah. I think he got into more fights than I did. Um, he just seems the uh, Justin seems a little—he's ready to rock if you need to. I right? wouldn't scrap with him. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I <laughs> wouldn't
3: really scrap with anybody. But. <laughs> yeah, that's why we love you, Marshall. Can we hug?
0: <laughs> so let's let's cheers to this. Um, this cheers. is a fantastic looking beer. I haven't
3: nice and clean
0: very nice clean
1: Andrew chairs man good breakfast beer
0: god damn that's good Wow it's got some uh, it's got something to it that I can't quite put my finger on but it's it stays with you for a little bit what's <laughs> that mean <laughs> right because um, normally like sometimes there's a dry finish I don't think this is extra. I don't know what I'm talking about. Explain no, what, I, what...
3: If I, you taste it, it's there.
0: Yeah, I just don't know what I'm tasting.
3: Well, it's... I mean, it's pretty true to style. We just used a, an American lager yeast. Very light grain bill, 4.3%. It's got a, it's got a little bit of graininess to it. Um,
0: grainy? Yeah. like yeah, a, yeah.
3: Almost like a sweet grainy. Maybe a hint of grass, but...
0: Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the grass. And
3: it does, it's... You know, it's only 15 IBU, but... I'm sorry, it's twenty IBU. I'll have to change that on tap. Uh <laughs> But it, I think it's got a decent floral nose on it, and it—you know—we used, actually use German hops. We didn't—we uh, didn't use American lager hops for it. But
0: Interesting. You think maybe that's what I taste?
3: Yeah. You
1: think my,
2: I'm sure
3: that's my part of it.
0: Taste is so acute that.
3: Yeah. Uh, I think oh it well. came out
1: really nice. I think, really amazing, well I think it's amazing, man. I think it's very, 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 very good. good. Well, true to form, I'm going to stay in my lane here uh, and not offer any kind of a. Opinion. I know, God but, but that's I a hell of a looking <laughs> can right there. And look at the seam on that can.
3: <laughs> how that lid seen. is oriented. It looks really nice. Yeah. Uh, the, the seams, presentation is everything. The seam has passed all of our checks on the can on canning day. And, and th-
1: that could be it, Eric. That's what you're tasting is the, the
3: tightness of that seam. I think
0: yeah. it is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another dimension. Yeah. yeah, put yeah. that as a descriptor on Untapped. Well, <laughs> the tight,
3: tight seal. This was kind of an interesting run for us uh, last year. You know what? The shutdowns and pandemic, it was our first year, our first full year open. We were planning on doing about 10% of product packaged. Okay. And by the close of last year, we had done 48% of total production went into 16-ounce cans all through this line that we got yeah. from Andrew. Um, Cano canner. Cano canner. The canning machine of the future.
2: Is that <laughs> Yeah,
3: that's it. Com. I, I finally have something that looks like
1: Ooh. a website.
0: It's a beautiful website, yeah, too. Well, you guys did good with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
1: So when we um, kind of... Uh, when we, we realized we had a working kind of product or you know, prototype stage with, with Marshall, um, you know, I, I envision this as kind of doing, like, 10 case, uh, you know, a, a canning release. So, you know, again, being a craft beer drinker and on yeah. Instagram or whatever, like, uh, you know, uh, companies like Rent House and Goldwater and whatever, we're always doing can releases. You know, I realize it's a great opportunity to create some, some social media buzz and whatever and, um, you know, just... It was a great opportunity to get your beer out there. So that's kind of what I yeah. envisioned with this canning line. This was all pre-COVID kind of stuff, right? Um, well, I brought it to Marshall, and Marshall says, you have no idea what we're going to do with this canning line. Yeah. And I clearly didn't, you know. <laughs> I mean, again, I was thinking we just do a quick, you know, can up some stuff, put it away, get on with your day, you know, yeah. 10 cases. And uh, what did you do the other day with the brewer's
3: Guild? Well, ideally, that that would have been what it was for, Right. you know. But, I mean, since December, I've done...
0: 25,000 cans. Holy shit, amazing. Uh,
3: yesterday, yesterday, we set a new record, uh, 78 cases, all canned and labeled. Wow. Uh, wow, double batch brewing, and uh, it's easy enough for people to learn and pick up on right away. So Yeah. And then for this beer, we did six cases.
0: So That's what I was, yeah. It that was, uh, you know, and, that,
3: and it felt weird for us to run that small of a run, but that's, I mean, that's what it can do, and the waste on it is almost immeasurable. I mean, it's there's just a nut. Yeah. Done. Yeah. You double fill once or twice and you're running and it's set and it's good to go. So it's I mean it can go it can go either way. You can do it anything you want with it.
0: You I, uh you you. That was a very good point, too. You can catch on to it quick, right? Because yeah. I've seen canning lines. I'm like, dude, if I put my hand in, there, I'm get my hand chopped off. Like, there's there are moving parts. There's air blowing. There's like a stream of water, and there's a fish that jumps out somehow. <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, the I've jumped right in and been able to. All right, what do I do? All right, you just push these cans here. Or you do this. You know, um, it's it's a very when you, when you look at the machine up close, it is very uh, it's very clean. Right, it, It's almost like the, what do they say, perfection is when you, not what more can you add, but more, what more can you take away? Well,
1: right? and, and, and somebody told me, I don't know if this is true or not, but Elon Musk uh, quoted as saying, the best part is the one not used. Ah, uh, uh, like Whether that. he said it or not, I don't know, but sure. I absolutely agree.
0: I don't think he did. Um, I think that's your original quote.
1: Okay. <laughs> Cano. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, Andrew Grady Such said that once. And, um, <laughs> so, yeah, again, the the, the The neat thing about this was it was built ground up to be small. Yeah. Right. The larger lines you see, and and frankly, if the other canning line companies had paid attention to this segment of the craft brewery industry, right, uh, which they hadn't, I never would have, you know, come along. Uh, But like Marshall said, there was this need and opportunity. This was a greatly underrepresented uh, end. The canning line people want to sell you a hundred thousand dollar machine to production based breweries, okay, which yeah. is great. I mean, okay, and they do a tremendous job with that, right? But that's yeah. not who I'm. That's not my customer, and and I'm not competing with them on this hundred thousand dollar canning line level of a fully automated yeah. uh, machine. So now they've kind of paid attention with COVID and whatever. But what they've tr- they've done is taken their large machine and tried to make it small, mm. and it's not. In my opinion, it, it's not really working out. It, but you got to just
0: build it from the ground up. Like, well, right. Like I mean, and th- that was yeah.
1: the, that's what we did, right? Or, in, in, and so, um, Marshall and I would go back and forth. I would, again, I got into this knowing nothing about canning lines. You know, why I got into this beyond me, right? Like knowing yeah. <laughs> now, like I, I probably wouldn't have, but uh, I had the, the balls or ambition or whatever to do it. Um, so I would ask Marshall, "Why do we do this? Why is why do we need this?" You know, we'd have that back and forth, and we would start to realize, you know, we don't necessarily need this for what we're trying to do. So let's get rid of that, right? And let's just keep scaling things down um, to make it as clean and as simple. And and if you can do that, then you're going to increase the reliability because there's less parts, and you're going to increase the likelihood that the operator is going to have a successful run which mm-hmm. is what we're trying to do
0: right if you eliminate the operator out of it kind of thing yeah in, and, in I mean, a way yeah, so, yeah.
1: And, and, and if you can do that then the chances of them having a good experience with the machine go through the roof versus yeah. a bad experience sure. we've discussed earlier about you know one malfunction on the canning line your days you know blown up yeah and that's not good you got beer in a tank you need to get it out cause you need to move one over and so on and yeah. so forth so all these things kind of feed in with one another and, and keeping it clean and simple and tidy uh, is a It it lends to all of that. And then, of course, the less parts that we use mean we can keep the cost down. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I see these examples of these other canning lines. Well, I mean, again, I can understand why they cost so much. You know, they have all these different monitoring systems and whatever. But the reality is you don't need that for Mm -hmm. what we're all trying to do. You just don't. Uh, And on this canning line, we we connect right to the bright tank. Um, So, I mean, uh, Marshall can speak to that. What's that? Or keg or keg or keg that's right todd um, uh, but and erica at button brewing down in tucson and no. they go crazy off the you know uh, filling off of kegs uh, uh he was pretty stubborn about i'm going to figure out how to do it yeah a- and um
0: filling you know, cans off of kegs
1: yeah yeah because it's kind of a tricky thing getting sure. the temperature of the keg down right and temperature and co2 level are the two biggest factors and they put canning. the canning line in the walk-in. Right. So, <laughs> they oh rolled. wait. So
0: they're they're putting the canning line, hooking that to a keg, and then filling from there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah
1: they then put the temperature down in the walk-in. They roll the canning line into the walk-in cooler, and uh, to the Marshall's point back on the waste, they use a, a bucket for their drain, and most of that sanitizer from the cans. So they don't yeah. even need to run a hose, you know, out to a drain because you know the beer running everywhere or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah he he does a bunch of stouts, and he daisy chains his kegs together well again, um there's not a canning line that I'm aware of that would allow you to do that um, yeah. to to roll it in you know um again, it's two foot wide at its widest point, so you know it's those little kind of things um that make him pretty proud you know I mean that is the vision of what we were trying to do here, you know that you could wheel it in behind your bar and and you know Run some cans there, or anywhere you want. Um, And that the other part of that is the the features. You know, the one ten volt. I I look at some of these can lines. You need three phase power to run them.
0: What does that actually mean?
3: (laughs) You need a special outlet, uh, just to run the machine.
0: Meaning, like so, like what your machine has is just basically like like I'm I'm plugging in my my recording equipment, basically where other ones need like it's almost like the fridge like a or bit, the like dryer. dryer plug like yeah. a big round yeah. twist in kind gotcha. of plug. I mean in. I knew that I was asking for my listeners. So right. <laughs> right.
1: well, so we start again uh, getting into the whole okay, canning line. All right. So so what what do you need, right? It's so you buy a $60,000 canning line, let's say, right? Well, that's not the end of it, right? That's not even the end of it. First you yeah. need to have the power requirements right to To connect it to, yeah right, and, and typically you've got a, a place in mind you're going to have that piece of equipment set, so you need to have the power there, so you're going to have to hire an electrician to run the power, okay, so there's one requirement. second is you need to have the volume of air, right, uh, which is typically an 80 gallon compressor, right um, so okay, well, th- there's an extra cost, um, and where is that going to go, okay, and then you need to have the power run to it, and then you need to re- plumb the air over to the canning line to operate the can. So you see, there's all these other things that are built in. It's, yeah. you know, you think the hundred thousand and you're done. No, 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 no. Right.
0: It's like you buy an Apple TV and you think I'm going to just watch TV. I'm like, when do you need to get a TV now? And you know, right. Yeah. So uh,
1: there's all this <laughs> other stuff that's built Buying in that out. <laughs> uh, to running
0: it. Um,
1: that are kind of hidden. But, um, you know, once you become aware of that, you can go, okay, well, yeah. how can we, uh, how can we make that a better experience? And how we did that was we integrated the compressor onto the canning line. Yeah. So it rolls around with it. So there's one requirement you don't have to worry about. And then we used 110 or you know 120 GFI, uh, standard plug, uh, to plug into to power everything. Yeah. So there's your next consideration you don't have to worry about, right? So the power and air supply for this thing is it's a non-factor. It's all built in. It's all included. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was just another example of, an outsider looking at this going, well, this is, you know, this is kind of, like, these are adding costs. This is real money we're talking about yeah. here and real uh, issues uh, that these canning companies don't seem to care about, mm. you know? Yeah. And on top of that, um, which, again, just seems crazy to me, you spend 100000 on a canning line or $80,000, whatever the case, well, uh, it's a pretty intricate piece of machinery. You need training on it. Well, you also get to pay pleasure of having them come out and teach you on that. Now, I would have thought for that kind of money that they would build the training program in, right? Or yeah. at least add it to the cost and lie to me that you did <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> yeah. But to straight up charge me to come out for a week it, and we're it not, you know... Fix this machine
0: that I bought from you that broke. Just well, not or to
1: teach me how to remember. use it. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. so that's an additional yeah. seven grand. You yeah. know, typically yeah. right on the top, right? And then I've seen other instances of the toolkit, you know, uh, for the machine being an additional five grand, <laughs> You know, a toolbox. We, I made a point of going, uh, you know, not that I'm super proud of this, but going down to Harbor Freight and seeing exactly how, you know, inexpensively we can put together. You know, I mean, we're talking again about real money here. Right? Yeah. You need a set of basic wrenches and some Allen wrenches or whatever. Right. To, to do what the canning line needs. Right? Yeah. And that's it. We don't need to be spending five grand, you know, on tools or a laser a proprietary pointer. tools right i mean i'm not even sure i'm a mechanic and i'm not even sure where this money's going for you know i have a toolbox full of snap-on tools and you know the most high-end yeah. stuff you can get but it's just crazy wasteful stuff like that that you see um you know that I, again i was just like well you guys are just creating a huge opportunity for me this is yeah. all this is is opportunity for somebody else to come along and do it a, in a different way yeah um another thing that you know i, I always laugh about is um Oh, the upgrade kit for the canning line, and you know when you buy one from these other manufacturers, like you know the seven thousand dollar performance upgrade kit, you know sort of like oh, if you really want it to work, you know that's an additional seven thousand dollars, and I go, how can you do this, right? I mean, this, if you really want it to work, right? I mean, yeah. that's essentially what they're saying. Like yeah. if, you, if you really want the best stuff, uh, it's an it's an upgrade package, yeah. right? And and that's that's maybe where I fail as a salesman or whatever. Um, you know, I know that's opportunities, and it's probably a proven method of whatever, screwing people. Yeah. Uh, I'm not interested in Come
0: it. on, man. Get yeah. your head out of your ass, Hunter. Right.
1: So, you know, I, if my machine never breaks, I would truly be happy. I'm not looking to sell you parts or anything like yeah. that. That's kind of my mindset, which is probably not a very good sales mindset, but that's kind of where we're at
0: That's a good to. sales mindset. Yeah. I think it is.
3: Well, you're also servicing small companies. Like yeah. Little companies that, that don't have... I don't know. I can't even fathom if, if we had a hundred thousand dollar bill for something like
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's passing out a little bit. hold, hold on, yeah. hold him up, hold him up. <laughs> yeah, uh,
3: it's just it's just not possible. It's not possible, and it uh, you know these little companies have little extra money, and something like this fills a need that helps them grow on a more organic growth scale. You don't have yeah. to take out you don't have to take out a hundred thousand dollar loan to purchase a piece of machinery that. It's going to take a long time to pay off you know?
0: and learn right and stress about and, and maintain yeah yeah yeah
1: well and that's the other uh side of it is um i want this thing to work every single time you plug it in no hassles whatsoever you know the most boring event of your day yeah <laughs> um and i don't you know i don't want to sell you spare parts and like me sell- selling you if something breaks that's a failure to me you know and i take that kind of Sure. And, um, yeah. So I, I just I want it to be a one and done. You buy it, and you know you go on with your life. Now we may have upgrades. I mean, we will have upgrades coming up yeah. in the future, but, you know different things or whatever. But um, yeah, I just want it to be a, a bomb proof, if you will. And that's what we're designing it to be. And what Marshall's allowing in, in these crazy runs he's doing is kind of a peek into the future mm-hmm. of the longevity. You know, what does the machine look like at? I mean, you've probably we upgraded your seamer. Does well, he have the original, the yeah, prototype? He's got number one. So we've got to be how many cans do you say we run through that
3: uh, since December? No, yeah. since you since we've run oh in March. Well, the, the twenty five thousand this year, and then I did a hundred and seventy eight barrels worth last year. Right. Into sixteen ounce cans, so that's a lot. That's a lot of beer. It's a lot
0: of beer, and that's a good beer right there, man. Yeah. Nice it's work. Up everything. Yes. It's going down very smoothly, very clean,
1: very
0: good. <laughs> so, Marshall, you were so that's that's another great transition. You guys are just taking the reins on this yourself. You're doing really good. Is <laughs> uh, I was going to ask about um, you were, you, he was like your guinea pig, right? Yeah, experimentation guy. Yeah. And, and what a great guy to have, patient. I've never seen Marshall lose his shit. Yeah, Maybe I've just been here at the right time. <laughs>
3: we're generally drinking
1: when we're hanging That's out. That's true. So. That is true. <laughs> that helps. <Yeah. laughs> well, fortunately, when we finally got the, uh, the machine uh, working right, it was right about the time the Marshall opened and that COVID hit, and uh, there was a lot of factors going on that sort of all kind of came in line and benefited everybody greatly, uh, myself included. Initially, a lot of the development work was done, you know, at Helton. Um, trying to get the nozzles to fill correctly—that was our biggest bugaboo. Okay. And that was the one thing that never dawned on me is that I, you can't really do in your shop, right? You need a tank of
3: conditioned beer, um, carbonated beverage with yeah, yeah alcohol and protein and solution. It's what do you mean by get
0: get So back up a second. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, you you can make a fill head with water, and, and filling water is easy. Okay, you can make it open, close, run on a timer. You know, that's well and good. Uh, But when you're dealing with a a carbonated beverage, then you suddenly have to deal with other factors like head pressure, temperature of the solution, volumes
0: of carbonation. These are the things you have to consider. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and, and as an example, the issues we were running into was, you know, that the fill head is under pressure. And when the nozzle opens initially, that the beer coming out would create foam or breakout, right? The CO2 coming out of solution. Through that, just a mechanical action of it, you know, opening and entering the can. And then it would feel great, but we were always chasing the fact that we had two inches of foam, right, uh, initially before it would pour correctly, and we were kind of racking our brains. so we would go down to, to Brian's and, you know, connect the machine in and uh, horrify them watching us dump their beer down the trap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, ultimately I, I uh, did a trade with them, and they made up a tank of just
3: kind of uh, – Second runnings it beer, was, yeah, just yeah. the second just runnings with some old yeast pitched in it. Yeah.
1: Something that was similar to beer, but not really. It had sure. the proteins and carbonation, so that all we the could, ingredients and but a little you don't bit of alcohol. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was but like a
3: three percent. It was the worst thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> I think it was meant to be
1: <laughs> run down the drain, or imagining it was. Most of it was going to end in the drain, as yeah. everything else we had done previously was. Um, and you know, it, it was very, very frustrating. You know, it's the one thing I've learned in this process is you, you. And if you're going to be successful at something, you've got to deal with failure a lot. Yeah. You will fail, fail, fail. And you it's the only it way you're kind of going enough. to know. you got it's to only... seek it, like in, in yep. a way, right? Yeah. yep. yep. And, and you got to be able to deal with that. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. and, and that took me a little while to get used to. I, you know, I'm not the best at that, I'll admit. But um, <laughs> no. anyway, through that, uh, yeah, no, I, I know. It's weird. Um, we were able to kind of go, all right, what is going on here? what is the issue again like let's break it down a little bit and you know it, what kind of dawned on me was that uh, any interruption in the flow of beer is going to create an unhappy circumstance with that beer and it's going to cause you know break out and I sort of look at it as, as a stream you know of water of yeah. happy beer right well you, you throw a boulder in the middle of that stream well what happens right I mean the speed changes you get a little white water as a result you know it, it's resistance there's all these things so Ultimately, the, the flow of the beer needs to be this continual kind of a happy thing with the l- least amount of interruptions as possible along its way into your can. Yeah. Um, so once we started to wrap our brain around what really needs to happen with the movement of the fluid and how it, it occurs, we redesigned the fill heads. And um, from that moment on, we were pretty successful. But um, I was able to kind of take those and go down to Helton um, on a weekend or whatever And I made a test stand so we could just test one head at a time without bringing the whole machine down there. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) I'd go, hey, Rob, (laughs) do you mind if I connect your tank real quick and he'd roll his eyes and go, all right, that's fine. Realizing we weren't going to be dumping gallons down the drain. And, uh, yeah, we we changed the nozzles. We were able to make it so you could try different size nozzles and whatever and kind of refine the process. And Uh, finally got it to where it did exactly what we wanted it to do, under pressure, open, fill a glass, so I said, I think we're on it. And I said, Marshall, we're getting close. So I mounted in the machine, and we dragged it up here. And it, you know, after, what, a year and a half of messing around with it, we knew in five minutes that we were there. Right? Yep. I mean, I, we knew almost immediately that we had fixed it. Right
3: away, yeah.
0: Yeah. How long did it take? Like, how long did it take from being, all right, here's our main issue, to be like, all right, we solved it? Months, weeks, years?
1: From the issue to the solution? Yeah. Year and a half?
0: Okay. So almost like at a standpoint, I guess that's what I'm asking, where you got to a point where it's like, all right, we got everything except this fucking piece right here. Yes.
1: See, everything else, um, and, and again, as we actually got up and running, we, we've refined things. And, you know, you know, we're always learning and whatever. But a lid dispenser, you can, you can do that in your, in your uh, shop. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you can, you know, control panel, I can put that together in my shop and, and, and make it work. You know, I mean, I yeah. know it works. Uh, the seamer, you know, the same thing the beer flow you know not having a tank of conditioned beer yeah. you know you have to have a brewery in order uh, to do it willing
0: to let you run uh, yes the other thing willing to let you
1: so there's absolutely no way i could have done this without their help and support yeah. at all whatsoever that's awesome um, but the thing is is there's no books on the hell there's no books on any of this right yeah. um so the, the biggest standstill was figuring out how to get the beer to flow out of the nozzles correctly it was absolutely. So once we had cracked that code, so to speak, uh, the rest was kind of you know, gravy after that. we Like yeah. I said, we knew Marshall had a tank here of, um, you know, second runnings or whatever to test on. And I think we knew in about five minutes. And we connected it to a tank of real beer, I don't know, a day later.
3: And we're yeah. running. We went through all the trouble of making the, the dump batch. <laughs> <laughs> and we ran it for like four or five minutes before we're like, all right, let's try real product. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think we figured it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. So for you as, as, as you know, a new owner of a, of a brewery and, and all of your experience it, to have now this tool for you to be able to utilize, right? I mean, because it went from being like a, a great concept, right? And I don't want to say a great concept, but it was, it was almost there to now there's that point it's like, we got it, right? For you as a, like, where was your mind?
3: Well, it I mean, it hit at the right exact time. Yeah. Because it, it it allowed us to do a lot last year that we probably would have struggled with otherwise. Yeah, you know, we opened our grand opening was January last year. We had to shut down in March, and it we just went straight packaged. Everything yeah. went to packaged beer. So, I mean, it was a kind of a magical moment when when he brought. <laughs> it's funny to, to look at photos of the original frame and the original built line that we brought up, and we were running. Uh, you know, was it December of 2019, maybe January, early January? But uh, once it started working, my mindset was just, let's package everything. Yeah. I want, <laughs> I want cans of every batch that goes through a finishing tank. Yeah, and that's that's what we do now. I mean, yeah. we'll run even on a three-barrel batch, we'll run 10 cases. Yeah. put it on draft and then have it available to go. That's awesome. Uh, on some of the larger batches like yesterday, you know, we'll we'll package it with the intent of a little bit of distribution, but we're still selling a lot of it in house. Despite, yeah. you know, now that the tap room's back open again, I mean, we were adding. You know, we'll sell it depending on the week, anywhere from like 15 to 30 cases a week out of the tap room.
0: Oh, nice! So, so people like it. Well, it it helps when. You know, you've got Aaron um, doing a lot of the artwork and things like that. It's, it's,
3: right. it's that full it's a, package. It's a it's a you know, it's a whole marketing yeah aspect. Yeah. Um, but we do know, collabs with cool that. people, so you know, that Shit. happens. I know a couple <laughs> of them. I know a couple.
0: <laughs> but 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 the whole um, longevity and the whole the ability to keep that going is having product that tastes really good, right? Like really just like you're drinking it here. You know what I mean? So because I there their beers around the state that like I go into their tapper, I'm like, dude, their beer really good, but I would never buy them off the shelf because I don't know what's <laughs> I don't know what's going on with their canning line. But right,
3: um, you can but, ruin a good product very easily by packaging it wrong. Yeah, yeah, very very easily. Yep, uh, and we've we've figured out really quickly by running this machine that we can get uh, like industry premium standards on a machine that was developed in a garage a couple of years ago yeah know? like it's it's come a long way and it's working fantastic we've had them analyzed and our, our seams are great our our fills are perfect yeah um and it's, it's such a simple machine we've done ha. <laughs> we've done uh collabs with with other breweries and they'll come and help us package and i'll have them running it in 15 minutes and nice. I can go do other things. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it should like a, a, yeah. a canning run that a canning line that's operating properly should be monotonous. And it you know, when we're running twenty cases an hour, eighteen to twenty cases an hour, and we're running seventy cases. Sixty to seventy is usually our average, you know. Yeah. it, uh, it gets monotonous. And when you can just show someone how to operate the machine step away let them yeah. run the machine it's exciting for people that haven't done it it is i've you been know?
0: i've been involved 10 15 minutes of, of a couple canning lines <laughs> 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 it's about my time
3: yeah learning. we had you see some cams yeah. on, on one of the runs <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, but no it's it's it is it, it adds it adds to um, it adds to the experience in, in the sense that it's not much of an experience right, right. it's just like if you can it's a tool you, yeah if you it's can eliminate user error out of the out of the equation, that's like that's that golden ticket everybody's looking for, right? If I right. could take people out of this equation right, and plug anybody into that. Well,
1: and here's the other thing. And, again, this all comes from a completely ignorant background on any of this. I mean, I started on a fresh slate. I had no idea. You know, yeah. I had no idea what a canning line needs or runs or whatever. Um, I certainly do now, right? But... Um, the technical side of me is i look at a high-end canning line and my mind just explodes i mean all the timing settings and whatever and what i see over and over again in the industry is i don't know it's almost a lack of respect for the equipment like oh yeah just get it here we'll figure it out Uh and i'm looking at it going i can't figure it out no offense but uh i've done mechanics for 30 years it's almost like these brewers think, well, you know, I'm a master brewer. Of course I can figure out canning. Like, no, no, no. Incorrect. It's an entirely different skill set. <laughs> and I don't, yeah. I, I guess I don't quite understand where this level of confidence comes from. Yeah. And it's quite ill-founded. I mean, it's to say if you're a, a production manager and you know how to run a, a canning or bottling line, that that qualifies you to be a brewer. Sure. Right? It doesn't. Yeah. These are two also different. Also incorrect. Two different <laughs> things, right? Well... So now, what do you get as a result of that? You got this expensive piece of equipment. Now you're getting bad results because perhaps you don't really understand what you're doing on it, right? Now you're blaming the equipment. So now it's a bad experience with the equipment, and you know. And I've seen this firsthand. You know, I, I've seen you know over and over and over again. Um, so I mean, you've got that, and it's scary. It's a huge investment, and you've got the technical side of things. I've talked to other brewers, you know, or whatever, that have said that as well. It's it's not an approachable thing buying a canning line sure and certainly as a brewery owner you're looking at like when is this going to pay for itself and and so on so again there's there's a lot of factors that all kind of feed into one another right if it's complicated it's gonna be a bad experience you're not gonna be happy with the machine it's gonna be a bad product so it gets back to make it as simple as possible and so much simple that i could run it never having run a canning line and i'm still (laughs) honestly it's funny like marshall's kind of my guy here he's He's run however many, 50,000 cans through it. I haven't. I built the thing. doesn't yeah. mean I know how to run it. Right. It's sort of, you know, and I kind of look at like, yeah. okay, I build the race car. You know, you go out and set the, the lap record <laughs> right. or whatever. Exactly you tell that. me what we've got to tweak to get to yeah. where we need to get
3: to. Hashtag teamwork.
1: Hashtag Damn. teamwork. There it is. And With so, you them. know, Marshall was obviously <laughs> instrumental in the software. Uh, I got a, a company out of Houston that did the software for me, and they did a fabulous job. That, that was amazing right off the bat. But, uh, again, I was sitting down and going, okay, what? Features do we need, right? But I want that screen to be as clean as possible. I don't want fifty thousand buttons or whatever, sure. but, yeah. but I do want exactly what we need, and I don't want another thing on there, right? Yeah. Well, that's uh, in large part to Marshall's input um, on that.
3: Um, I've run I've run lines on both sides of the spectrum, not not on the scale that that Cano does, but you know, wild goose lines and uh, twin monkeys lines. They're wildly different, and the software on them is insanely different like wild wild goose is very much on the technical side and you can adjust everything to the thousandth of a second and then you've got the original it's been a while since i've run a a, a twin monkeys line but their original lines were too simple like they were trying to make it too user-friendly and i compare it to like play school my first canning line Ah. you know like you (laughs) had you didn't have enough control so you can you can be on both sides of the spectrum where if there's There's absolutely way too much control and too much information, and then there's not enough. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, both of them make canning lines that can successfully be taught and run. Uh, But I think, you know, working with Andrew, that the software that that runs Cano is right where it needs to be. Like, it's easy enough to learn, and you still have advanced control if you you need it. Okay. Because beer conditions are always going to dictate how your canning day goes. And once you get it set... If you know how to use the equipment, and this one's easy to use, then you can have a successful day and yeah. not waste product and can it properly.
0: Boom. Yeah. Take it a, drop it, Marshall. Drop the mic. <laughs>
3: it's, it's on a mountain. <laughs>
0: mount. Well, so the, while, while we got Marshall, because I know Marshall's in the middle of a brew day, um, I want to get another one of these. So I'm going to set up a question for you guys, and then I'm going to get – does anybody else want another one? Are these roaring 20s? Yeah. Absolutely. Well,
3: let me throw it on Draft real quick, and we'll try it on Draft and do a side by side.
0: Let's do that. So, how, mu- how much time will it take you?
3: Um, two or three minutes.
0: Perfect. I'm going to set him up with the question, and then you come back. Okay. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty long-winded.
3: <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> All right. So we're going when Marshall comes back, we're going to have him address the, the main issue that you, you the, 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 I guess, the main kickback that you get about the, about the canner itself, right? Yeah. Dl dissolved oxygen.
1: Yeah, we'll get into think that a about little bit.
0: Dissolved oxygen while you're in there, Marshall. I think you shut the cooler doors too much, too quickly.
1: Uh, I think well, Marshall thinks about dissolved oxygen every minute of yeah. his waking day.
0: Well, you. Um, w- before we get into that, actually, I don't know. You just tell tell me whatever you want to tell me or not. But uh, we talk about affordability as one of those pillars. Right. Where do you compare to compared to you know these high end? You don't have to give a specific dollar amount. Spread. Like if someone says you. Okay, half. Okay. 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 Half of what? Half. Yeah.
1: Um, but even, you know, that's half and I'm all in. Like, okay. That's everything. You know, you look at these quotes from these other companies, and it's all misleading, and that stuff drives me crazy. Ah. I and mean, again, I just don't. I'm Those add-on a things, person. like yeah. additional, the, the high-performance yeah. yeah, package. Exactly. Or the yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh, if you really want it to work, that's oh, yeah. an extra five grand. And, I, again, I don't understand how you can look at that. Now, real
0: quick, I want to clarify. You said half because we talked about $100,000 canning lines, and we've talked about $50,000 okay. canning lines. Okay, right. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, to, to be blunt, but I wanted to make a canning line that was in $20,000. Okay. Which, you know, I was okay. hoping to hit twenty. dollars um, okay? Um, things always end up being a little bit more. Sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, but we're right around uh, the 20k range. You know? Okay. We're, we're uh, you know, 25 is kind of where we're at on it. Yeah. Right. Uh, to give you an idea, and and that's that's everything. Now, we're we're local, uh, in in that sense. So, and what I mean by that is I'm doing the delivery on it. Yeah. And and we're kind of setting it up. Uh, we've got one at Front Porch, right. We got one at North Mountain, yeah. Uh, Ranch House and Button down in Tucson, right yeah. now. Um so we're able to bring it there and be a part of the experience and make sure that everything's, you know, running well and everybody understands and whatever. Yeah. And, and, and in that sense, I've been really – it's really proven itself out because we we go through the delivery and then I don't hear another word from these guys. Yeah. And I get a little freaked out. Almost you know?
0: like you have a set of tasks to follow up with them. Right. <laughs> yeah. I do.
1: I'm like, is everything okay? And they're like, everything's fine. Like, what is yeah. I'm like, no, no, no it's, it's great. And I'm like, wow, okay. You know, sort of – it makes you feel good and then sure. it's, it's – it is simple, apparently, and that, you know, yeah. it's intuitive and, and so on. So now uh, why I say that is, of course, if we had to ship one or whatever, there'd be additional costs
2: there. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But but that's it. I'm not trying to hide uh, anything. If there's, a, if there's something that's going to make this machine better, I'm putting it on it now. Yeah. And that is kind of the beauty of being a small company, able to adapt quickly. I'm always looking at ways to tweak and improve and make it better. I just want to make the best. Yeah. I want to make the best small canning line in the world yeah I mean, I'm not trying to be too ambitious I just want that's, that's man. all I want to do is well. make the best product in the world at the most affordable price point yeah and it makes me super proud and that's good enough for me yeah right um, so yeah that that's where we're at you know and I think I see a lot of these other lines are coming in at, in the high 30s uh, but then there's always the add-ons and then there's the training and this yeah. and these other smaller lines that I'm talking about that uh, these companies have started to pay attention to the, the, the this end of the market. Um, our single head lines, so mine's a dual head, right? Yeah. So they're limited that way,
2: right?
0: Meaning you're filling two beers at a time instead of one. Right. So, uh,
1: filling per- so you're paying $40,000 for a canning line that fills one beer at a time. Yeah. yeah. And you're having to drop the lids down a chute. It doesn't have an automatic lid dispenser. Okay. Yeah. You have to pay for the wiring. You have to by a compressor
0: i've seen um, ones with with the air shoots the cans i've seen ones that have like a drill bit that right. somehow turns ca- <laughs> right, <laughs> right. of, there's one that has like a blade that shoots up that separates the cans. right and, and like, that's Dah. what we were
1: talking about earlier now and i i need to go look at that one but that that's not on casters is it i don't
2: know
1: i don't no. know yeah. i mean the ones i've oh, seen on are, casters no i don't think so yeah no. you can't i mean i you, thought that was a brand you were saying no no uh <laughs> i just meant you, you're not able to really wheel that around the ones i've seen so, yeah. you, you haven't been able yeah. to, right um, they don't come with a rent station. Um, so I mean, again, you're, you're paying a lot more for a lot less, yeah. frankly. Uh, well, again, when you, when, oh, sorry, go ahead. that's fine. When you consider mine has a compressor built in, Yeah. you know, that alone. Right. Um, you know, I mean, and that's kind of what I focus on and that's where I'm, I'm hoping it'll, it'll make its name for itself pretty, pretty quick.
0: Yeah. Well, out. we were, we were talking about, so you, you had talked before about what, cause to me it seems like a no brainer. It's like, all right, if, if, Andrew's of Cano, canner is this and it's this much better than the bigger ones, right? Like then the the there's there's a barrier at some point, right? And there's a barrier that you deal with a lot, which is
1: well, their name brand. I mean, they Well sure, around, yeah. All right. right, maybe there's multiple barriers.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but name, yeah, whether well, it's a brand recognition number yes. one, right? I'm a new company. But as far as a uh, like the technical side of it is is one of the most important things for brewers is to have a minimal amount of what Of oh, dissolved oxygen which is what does that mean well, Marshall Marshall come on in on
3: this one uh, dissolved oxygen in happens. my terms
0: imagine you're talking to me
3: when <laughs> uh, when beer is brewed as soon as it leaves the kettle and goes through a heat exchanger it doesn't see open air again until it's poured into a glass okay. unless it's going onto an open type packaging machine and canning is most commonly open top so as it's exposed to open air oxygen comes in contact with the liquid and if it gets absorbed into the solution it ruins the product it makes ah, it taste cardboardy that's okay so oftentimes you'll taste a, a packaged beer uh, and oxidation is a really easy off flavor to pick up on and there's you know the industry standard when I was working for mobile canning uh, we used to can for like green flash. For instance, out in San Diego, they you told me the story second
1: about green flash call-out. Yeah,
0: in this podcast. yeah.
3: They, uh, you know, <laughs> they would test the cans that were coming off the line regularly. As long as we were adding less than two hundred parts per million dissolved oxygen, they were fine with it. Yeah. We ended up adding. You know, we generally add about forty or fifty parts on a on a wild goose line. So, with this machine, we in, we test it and it's in the same range. Yeah. Uh, so we know that we can we can. Package beer; it's coming into limited contact with oxygen, and as long as it's being filled right, as long as the user can operate the machine properly, then any product that is in contact with oxygen, hopefully, is just foam, and it gets pushed out when the lid gets put on the can.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, because when I've seen the cans fill, they fill up above the the liquid doesn't. That's what's impressive, right? Is the 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 beer itself doesn't really overflow, but it's the foam is.
3: Yeah. If you're if you're overflowing liquid, you're not filling a can. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it's
1: just, it's. I kind of call it the muffin top. It sort of develops and then yeah. it collapses back into the can, and yeah, you don't get any uh, liquid coming out. Um, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that muffin was all designed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a muffin top. Everybody likes a muffin top. It's just the Elaine top. Playing on Seinfeld. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but nobody wants the bottom. Right. Muffin stump. Nobody wants that. Um, you know, I'd like to sit here and, and tell you that, all oh, that was all designed and, and done on purpose. And when we first had our cans tested down to Four Peaks, um, you know, we, we were stunned. I mean, and we came in, like, they look for 50 parts per billion um, under, um, you know, and they have the ability to have them tested or whatever. And our first can tested came in at 38, was it? 38,
3: 43. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, below ones. what
0: even what their standards right. are. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. That's, uh, that's just oxygen picked up from packaging. So... You might have, depending on the standards of the brewery, the the product might already have dissolved oxygen in it. Depending so we were
0: what the transfer process is, right. How efficient that so, is.
3: So yeah, we weren't. You know, when you take it down to Four Peaks, um, they can check total packaged oxygen, total dissolved oxygen. Um, but after after a certain amount of time, it, rather quickly, that oxygen just gets absorbed, and then that number is going to end up being really low because okay. it's it's too late. You've already missed it. Yeah. So when we get our can sampled it has to be within an hour of of putting the seam on uh-huh. and them testing it just yeah
1: well they actually were telling me a half hour so needless to say from here to there there's some <laughs> speed limits being broken um, but you know we we wanted to know absolutely yeah. you know um in the top lab in the state you know i mean i don't think there's another brewery there's, that has
3: there's some money behind that lab
1: <laughs> yeah so, and
0: they're very um, open to letting people use it they're too. awesome yeah
1: yeah they're they're, they're really awesome have always been super helpful and and the machine they have they analyze the seams i mean my god the x-ray you know whatever and then it gives you all the numbers
0: wait uh, the
3: x-ray of the seams yeah holy shit just to make sure that the cover hook and body hook are being pushed together properly and it's all within measurements
1: yeah Yeah. and i know Santana has uh, equipment like that as well right it's just i happen to be neighbors with the plant manager of four peaks so uh, that was kind of a convenient uh, relationship uh so um anyway what i was saying was i this is more of a happy accident, but if you sit there and look at what we did and how we're doing you can quickly understand why DO is so low on my machine, right? yeah. And it starts with, we pre-purched the cans of CO2, right? As the other two are filling, So we've got that covered. We've got the quality of the fill, right? Which as you said, allows for that foam to kind of cap to develop. Yep. And we've got features that allow you to manipulate that either way with the low flow setting and with an end flow setting that you can, again, manipulate in your software if you want to or not. Um, But then from fill, right, you move the cans along by hand um, to the lid uh, placement, which goes on at the correct angle, right, which uh, exhausts the foam out the backside of the can and pushes any air or whatever trapped out in directionally, right? And from fill to seam is 7 inches, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, from fill to lid placement. It's probably 7 inches. And then once the lid is on, it goes immediately under the skate, which holds the lid on. Yeah. And then immediately onto the seamer to get seamed, which is maybe 14 inches. Yeah. So I don't know if there's another canning line on the market that allows from when it's filled to when it's seamed in such a short amount of space, like 21 inches. Yeah. I don't think there is. So when you start looking at this, you go, oh, well, that makes sense. That's why, you know. That's a huge factor on why our DO is so low, Yeah, right, is that we're able to process these cans immediately. And, and the process is when you hit the, the go button, you know, my machine is manual in that sense. You press the big green button. It processes two cans at a time, and that's it until you hit the button again. Yeah. So those two cans, once they have beer in them, are the most important thing going. Let's get the lid on them. Let's get them seen. Yeah. Repeat, right? And, um, you know, you can really kind of turn the wick up and get going once you get into a rhythm with that. But um, the layout of the machine, it's it sort of looking back at it, absolutely makes sense as to why our DO readings are so uh, low. Yeah. Um, and then if you think about the larger machines where you have eight cans that are all filled, well, obviously the DO reading on the eighth can, in my opinion, and I could be wrong here, Marshall, but is going to be a little bit higher than the first can because that's weighted for seven cans before it gets the lid placed.
3: In a general sense, co- yeah, that's correct. I mean, you can i have never run an eight head at least not inline eight head. Uh, But I, I've had, I've had the last can measure better than the first can on, on machines just Mm. because it's running more foam.
0: Uh.
3: So it can still be in spec. Um, Of course, I've also had cans that are like 50 grams short of a proper fill measure at like 20% or 20 parts per million oxygen because the foam pushes the oxygen out. So it's, it comes down to how, how it's being filled and, and that, Length of time it's exposed, and the speed of it of the fill and the actual seam. So, bottom
0: line is, and, cano canner is the goddamn best.
1: Well, and uh, apparently <laughs> this is this is good. Why we have Marshall here to kind of correct me on these things and, and keep me on the straight and narrow yeah. uh, to make sure that <laughs> I'm not just spewing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nothing <laughs> you're saying is incorrect.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's kind of the story, you mm-hmm. know. On that uh, is is the you know the, the the short time from fill to seam. It's pretty unique in that sense. Yeah. But, of course, we wanted to make a small compact frame, but this was just a happy accident or a byproduct as a result of that. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, um, you know, so we were fortunate in that sense. We've had, you know, a couple of those instances where something that, you know, just kind of stick into what we wanted to do has allowed for some other, you know, things yeah. to occur as a result. So um, initially, as an example, we were using the October seamer, you know, that everybody... kind of had um so that was sort of the the deal here is is if unless you had room or money for a canning line from what i can see with these breweries um you know space and and capital right which is considerable on both ends um you were filling cans by hand off the draft handle and then you were using the october seamer Uh, to seam them and that's how you were selling your cans that was it that was your option yeah all you had there was nothing else right um and um you know thank god for october because they're you know it's a great little product yeah and um it sort of allowed these wheels to get going in my brain you know that was one problem solved like we had a seamer yeah okay we just got to figure out kind of the uh the the rest of that
0: like how does it fit into the machine
1: Yeah, Yeah. and so because of that, right, um, I started with that and then kind of worked uh, backwards, if you will. So I started at the end and then worked all the way to the filler, not realizing how much of a problem the fillers were going to end up being, right? (laughs) Right. So we kind of stalled at the halfway point. But when we got the fillers, we were able to work our way back to the uh, seamer and go over everything along the way, get it here, uh, get it set up. And then I started talking to some people in the industry that, You know, again, I didn't realize, like, the October seamer I have was brand new, barely ever used, because, again, we we hadn't had a chance to really use it yet. Yeah. That they weren't super happy with some of the the seams on it or whatever. You know, it it really wasn't meant to do what we were trying to do with it, right? I mean, it's more of a, not an industrial-type seamer, right? I mean, it was a hand seamer. Um, Well, we got it up here, and um, that's the one we had on the machine. Well, at that moment in time, they changed um, their seamer design. And it was always kind of a concern of mine, like, what if something like this happened? Well, it happened, yeah. and it happened immediately. And I guess that was a good thing, right? Yeah. If you're going to fail, fail fast. <laughs> yeah. I was no longer able to get that seamer. Ah. Like, uh-oh, we got a problem here. But, again, it was it was more of an opportunity. It's like, okay, uh, we need to make something that's more industry-specific, appropriate, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, using the proper rollers and chuck and whatever that everybody else does and just make a full-on seamer but in our own way. Um which, which we have, which is an incredibly unique um, piece of kit. And that's kind of where I start geeking out about the specs or whatever. But, I mean, <laughs> we're using a 75-volt, a, a 1,500-watt uh, uh, servo motor to drive this thing, not a three-phase huge motor with a, a you know a VFD coupler to control the speed. Not, you know, uh-uh. oh, found no, I don't
0: know what that means to you. Marshall, you do? Ah, Marshall. So proud of you, buddy. Well, what it means (laughs) is entirely
1: unnecessary. Big, bulky is what it means. Okay, yeah. But it looks badass. uh, Yeah, it does look impressive. It also looks as expensive as it is. Mm. Yeah. Right?
3: Is it heavy? Then it's expensive. Right.
1: And and that's exactly what it is. So, again, I I understand why these machines cost as much as they do, but it's totally not necessary. Sure, yeah. It's just not. If you're doing a million cans, you know, six months or a year or whatever, okay, I get it. Yeah. That, it that absolutely makes sense. You're, you're building, you know, but that's not the reality of most, you know, craft breweries or brew yeah. pubs or whatever, or the people that I deal with and the places that I go to, right? Yep. And and to me, honestly, the industry is becoming even more localized, right? I mean, there's breweries popping up on the corner here and there whatever to where that's kind of the trend is, is smaller, local, fresher. That's what I'm seeing anyway, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, those places are, are typically smaller. They're not production oriented. They're just kind of making beer for their neighborhood and their community. Or but it doesn't
0: mean they can't produce, right? Like it doesn't mean they can't put out, you know, like right, yeah,
1: right. But they don't have the tool available, yep. and that's
0: where now they do, right? And again, as do. a
1: consumer, you know, I'm going to tell you, I hate growlers. Growlers, I do too. you know, yeah. I mean. There are a commitment. And it, it, now knowing what I know about how to fill a can and, the, and DO and whatever, you know, a growler is like the equivalent of handing over a bucket. Hey, man, can you fill this <laughs> yeah, bucket pull for this me to beer. bring it all some that. milk jugs. Can you fill <laughs> yeah. this milk jug? Right? <clears throat> so, and, and it's a tremendous commitment. You know, you get that sure. growler. Well, the clock's ticking. Yeah. And the other thing is, you probably should have a buddy along to help you finish that sucker. Yeah. So, well, (laughs) things pop up, you know, as things do. And, oh, gosh, I got to run to the store. I got to bring, you know, whatever, right? Well, you've just wasted all that money. Well, with uh, bombers or cans, right? uh, You've got options. You know what I mean? They can sit for a week or whatever without you having to get to it right then and there. So, again, as a consumer, I like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's kind of what I. Uh, you know sort of after at Helton initially we built there and, and uh Marshall operated this the forehead well hell you have one the forehead bottle filler yeah that's where Helton uh, started was uh
0: I remember those bottles yeah, yeah. he would bottle the scotch L and yeah
1: yeah and man what a revelation I'm like yeah. I can take home a capped bottle of beer yeah. and like put it in my fridge and not have to drink it tonight or yeah whatever. like yep. I don't ever want to see a growler again yeah you know ever so um
0: I keep some growlers just because of nostalgia. Like I have like a, like a, I've got a shelf one. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I like a
3: shelf of to... running lab. It's I know. Yeah, it's like relics.
0: They are they are relics. Yeah, but you don't want to get rid of them. You know. Yeah. So, Andrew, this thing is incredible. I love I love watching the machine run. It's it's beautiful. Um, what, where does this go? Where Where do you go from here? I mean, I know that uh, that you know you're in, you have five machines out in the wild right now? Right. right? Yep.
1: And we're building. um, I've got one more being built right now. I've got another one coming along. Um, So, you know, it's kind of early days um, from...
3: You want to see early days, come look at mine compared to the new ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got holes where there's not supposed to be holes. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> remember that one time we mounted the lid knife like this? Yeah, yeah I, still, I still have the holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, folks, everybody's
1: So
0: when he hits it the big time, you get the – the, the No, I'm going to run drop. this
3: uh, until the wheels fall off, uh, and then we'll probably, you know, if, if, if things keep going the way they're going for us, uh, I'm going to have to go to one of these bigger lines in ah. the next few years. But unless
0: Andrew decides he's going to build bigger lines.
3: I'm trying to push him in that direction. Yeah,
0: he's shaking his head maybe, maybe, maybe. So that's I where mean, we're going. Well, you, could, you could take this
3: exact <laughs> layout and just add a belt to it. I mean, it, it makes the operation of the machine more complicated, but it'll double the output. Ah, uh, a belt as in? As like, in automated like automated a little bit more.
0: Yeah, n- yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and, and I see and the, wheels on, right? the wheels turning on. <laughs> I'm not going to say no I love, outright. I love poking him that way. Yeah. I'm trying to make something that is what it is and it is not what it isn't. Right. Sure. There's already those machines out there yeah. for X amount, yeah. right? Uh, if you want one, go ahead and buy one. Um, you know, I, I'm not trying to compete with them. That's already out there. It's already been done. And, um, you know, from what I can tell, they're doing a good job of it. Um, so, again, I'm trying to make a tool that hasn't existed prior to this. Yeah. I want to make the best one possible. And, um, you know, I, I obviously need to look at the sales side more. I'm clearly more of the technical. You know, it just, you know, makes you feel good making the thing and watching it run. Right. Yeah. I'm not looking at whatever. Uh, but to me, it's kind of good enough. Like, if I can make the best small portable canning line in the world. Yeah that's pretty ambitious i think yeah. that's, and that's, <laughs> that's that's what i aim to do, you know? i mean okay so if i can get to that point marshall i'll add a friggin' belt you know whatever um just fortunately knife, your your business is expanding to the degree that yeah you may need a fully op- uh, automated one and let's hope you know I let's mean, get a
3: new brew house first yeah well you know um
1: again uh, that's just a success story and, and i feel like i've been a part of that you yeah. know that to allow that growth to occur and and if you can get to that point, any of my customers, you know, I'm happy for you. Go buy that Wild Goose. It's a tremendous, yeah. tremendous machine. I yeah. mean, it is, yeah. again, they're unbelievable. Uh, they're they're awe-inspiring. Um, but for the rest of you, you know, with the, the smaller breweries. Until you get there, right? Right. you get and, there. And maybe, maybe that's not the direction you're looking to go. I mean, maybe sure. you're not a production-based. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know the particulars of that. But, again, I, I go to a lot of... Um, Brew pubs that are, are restaurants, you know, that offer craft craft beer as well, you know. And how many of those are in the world, right?
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. Well,
1: I mean, there's my customer.
3: I okay. I from. You know, my experience working in in small breweries, production breweries, running canning machines. Uh, if you're a craft brewer and you're on a system larger than a barrel, and you're not looking at a packaging option. You're missing an opportunity. You're missing a, a huge part of the market that you could be taking advantage of. Because uh, we're on a three-barrel system, and I'm selling a ton of beer in cans. Yeah, and it and it, it's packaged right. You don't have to you don't have to worry about that. You're not using a, a Blickman gun or some home brewer setup to try to can one at a time or pulling off a draft and putting it into an October seamer. You know, it's it's a machine that helps the people from. Three barrel, and honestly, when we upgrade, I'm, I'm going to use it well into upgrading. Yeah. Before we, I mean, it'll be years before I look at doing anything else. So it, I mean, if it it's a good part of growth, and it gives small people the the opportunity to grow organically.
0: So from a brewer, so if I asked you, if I, I'm a brewery owner as well, and I said, wow, man, that's a that's a high price tag, though. What is your, what is your response to them? Like knowing that you know you're missing out on this opportunity of of revenue.
3: Uh, I mean, the first thing I would do is be like, if you think this is a high price tag, you haven't looked at anything else. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, no, I guess just as as a as a chunk of equipment for you, right? Like if you're buying something for the brew house and it's let's say twenty four thousand dollars, right? That's a big that's a big check to write out, right? So where does for a brewery owner, where does that fit into the?
3: It's really easy to sit down with. With other small brewery owners, and and point out how quickly you can make that money okay. back.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a quick turnaround. Yeah, it, can't it really good, is. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh,
3: that amount of money. Yeah, it's daunting. It's daunting at first, and having it to spend, and then saying goodbye to it all at once. You know that that's tough. Sure, that's really tough on us on a small business. Yeah, uh, um, but it, you look at how much a four pack can sell for, and Somebody comes into the tap room and they drink two beers and they take a four pack with them. that's yeah. sales you would have missed. Yep. You know, it's just growing your business, and yeah. it's it's really easy to, to sit down and look at numbers and say, I can pay this back, yeah. faster than I can with crowlers. Well, or and, crawlers. and I
1: think you know we sat down and did the math on it, uh, you and I. And I was of course I don't know your numbers until you kind of educated me on them, right? The packaging side and labor and all that. I, I mean, I think using your most expensive beer as an example, you're double. We figured twenty hours of runtime. Yeah. And it's paid for itself? Yeah. Oh and shit. Yeah. And then you're just printing money? Yeah. I mean again, there was reasons I got into making this machine and that seemed like a pretty obvious
2: one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's
1: fairly easy to demonstrate how you will make your money back and this will continue to make you money going forward. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want that? I mean yeah. it's sort of like, okay. Kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. like, yeah. I'm not a salesman, but that should be pretty easy to sell. I don't. I think he's that. a
0: salesman. I think he's pretty good. Be, pretty
3: well, good yeah, salesman. the machine doesn't stop doing what it's supposed to do. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to continue packaging.
1: I'm yeah, continue and, and watching uh, Marshall so. flog this thing, I mean, again, it's, it's, been, it's so valuable to me, the, the data that I'm getting from it. And uh, honestly, you know, I'm pretty happy to say that you know, we're not having any.
0: We're hearing some noises, and Marshall's looking around like, what the hell is that noise? Not you not see that machine. hose over there uh, flapping. Well, that's the insulation no, that's the just that's just the the insulation on the thing. <laughs> Don't take my advice. <laughs> Marshall's like, I'm not listening to him. All right. So, Andrew, you said you are long-winded. This is an hour and 32 minutes of gold. This is great. <laughs> this has been great, but we got to wrap it up. I got kids getting off the bus here pretty soon, and I need to drink two more beers before I go. Let's just kidding. <laughs> so... Canocanning.com is a website. If you're an interested brewer. Cano-canner. can. <laughs> I've looked at that thing
1: yet. Right.
0: Canocanner.com.
1: Yeah, cano.com was already taken, unbelievably.
0: Uh, is it cano or cano?
1: Cano. Cano. Yeah. No, I
0: mean the other one. The, the person well, who Well, I don't me. know,
1: uh, to be <laughs> honest. Um, and I, I I guess the way mine is spelled is not exactly correct either. But uh, you know,
0: It is. It is. Okay. I all think right. it is.
1: That's what we were going for was at the play, obviously. So, the name recognition.
0: So, uh, if so somebody listens come. and they want to canter, how do they w- go to the website? Go
1: to the website, contact information. Yeah. Uh, canner Gmail, and uh, phone numbers there. Um, yeah, you, know, you can give me a call. And, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's fun to see. It, it's a lot of enjoyment for me, either way, right? I mean, yeah. it's, um, it's just uh, a good time. You know, I was at Trevor's uh, the other day. And um, it was just kind of neat. Um, I saw Marshall's product there, and uh, Greenwood Brewing, uh, you know, Megan, uh, they have a bottle filler. Uh, they had bottles sitting there next to it too. And yeah, I don't know, like that just sort of made you know. There's been a lot of proud moments in, in doing this for me, but that was perhaps my proudest. Yeah. Just going, wow, you know, I had a part in putting both those products on the shelf. Yeah, it's kind of neat, you know. It just sort of proves out everything. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, the nerd is when I go to the automation store after this interview and I get a tour of their facility. Yeah. I'll go what? Well, I'm going down the road to high-tech automation. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm doing new solenoid packs for the uh, control panel and uh, get to look at the regulators that they have for me. And oh, yeah, he's nerd. About. Not right
3: now. <laughs> can look, can look at the regulator on that. It's, yeah. it's
1: endless. <laughs> I'm married. I'm married. I can't look. <laughs> Wait till you see the new power
0: distribution blocks that I'm ordering. They're fabulous. For the canner. Dude, he's yeah. just gonna keep souping this thing up. Huh? Well I
3: don't uh, and I don't mean to overstep. No, you're good. But if uh, if anyone industry wise ever wants to reach out to me about my experiences with the machine, um, most people know how to get a hold of me, so just throwing it out there. Yeah, if you're in Deer in the, Valley. Come on. If up. you're
1: in the Tucson area, go down to see Todd and Erica, they've been a tremendous uh, help to me down there as well and doing a lot of like Marshall sand kegging, you know, or canning off of kegs and whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're down there. And then Josh over at Ranch House, which, again, is a private community. So, yeah, probably I can get over there. But, uh, yeah, down I'm in the Tucson come up. I'm area. Gonna get, I'm
0: going to get a story on that one somehow. Button Brewing. Recruit.
1: You need to go see <laughs> what they're doing there. It's wild. At Ranch House? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I've been interested. I read about it maybe a year or two ago whenever they first started. I'm like, that sounds really intriguing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you always think about, like, you know, uh, What is the right community for my product, right? They were like, let's make craft beer
1: for elderly people. (laughs) Well, and and they're distributing it uh, amongst the other um, uh, Dobson Ranch uh, communities. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's really cool. All right, i got to get down there. You should come down with me when we do it.
1: Yeah, pretty unique. Yeah. Pretty cool. And then, of course, if you go on my website, you'll see the video of uh, Randy and Trevor over at Front Porch.
2: Marshall great doing guy. some training on that Marshall video as doing well. Some training,
1: yep. yeah. <laughs> those guys are just tremendous over there. I know they're your neighbors are over there a lot. And
2: yeah.
0: And Get some good beers uh, up this way. We are getting we have some good good they, spots yeah, up here. Yeah, they
1: are making some delicious beer over there. They really yeah. are. Yeah. You they're know, doing a tremendous job. And so, just yeah. great people.
2: They
3: just are.
0: great people. They are.
2: All right. yep. yep. All right
0: guys. Well, Andrew, nice work. Marshall. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, and that's
3: it. Yeah. All right.